everybody. I want to take a second to greet you at all of our extension sites and everybody joining us online. Uh, I can't wait. We're getting ready to hear a message from Pastor Jeff Leak. He's my pastor. Uh, we started Two Rivers Church about 10 years ago, and we needed someone who would come and sponsor us and help us to get the church started. And Jeff Leak showed up and he said, hey, I want to I help you guys. I want you guys to launch bigger. He was super generous, gave us money to start the church. And over the years, he's been a tremendous blessing in my life and in the life of Two Rivers Church. And I believe it, he's going to be a blessing in your life right now. So I want you to get your notes out. I want you to lean in as we hear a word from Pastor Jeff Leak. Let's join with him at Allison Park Church right now. Jump back into the series we started last week, but don't you love Pittsburgh? You can have all the seasons in one day. It's like starts out and it's fall and then real cold, then hot again. And so just, just turn to your neighbor and say, I live here for the weather. Just tell them that right now. This is why I moved to Pittsburgh. It was the weather just drew me in, right? Okay. Okay. So we are in this two-part series we're calling Sheepskin. And I'll just tell you, as I was preparing for this weekend's message, I have to admit that that last week was easier to preach than this week, okay? And here's why. We started out last week with things we can all agree on. We, 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 we started with three agree or disagree statements. I said, do you agree with this, that uh, there's nothing worse than a judge, judgmental person? And everybody said, amen. And then I said, hypocrites are one of the biggest barriers to people coming to Christ. And everybody said, amen. And then I said, you know, there is a common cultural theme which basically says this, you have no right to judge me. And you weren't sure what to do with that one because that sounded pretty strong. But I think we all feel that, like we don't want people judging us. And then we said, all of those three statements align with the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, because he said, don't judge or you'll be judged. In fact, with the measure or tone that you use, it'll be measured to you. It will recoil on you. And then Jesus said, if you get so busy, point out the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye, you'll miss the plank in your own eye because, you know, we get so worried about blaming the rest of the world that we don't look inside and see what needs to be fixed in our own life. And so he said, you know, this is kind of a theme. Don't judge. And we all agree this is a Jesus theme. It's a good theme. We don't want to judge. What I actually love, though, is when I'm studying the Bible, and right in the same chapter, you have totally opposite concepts that don't seem to belong together. And it's often in the tension of the scripture that we get a more deeper meaning. And so after Jesus goes into this whole teaching, first five verses of seven, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. He then says, verse six, if you remember this startling verse, don't take what's sacred and cast it to the dogs or take your pearls and put them before swine. And the rest of the chapter, chapter seven, talks about being discerning. And so what we learn is this, that there is a big difference between judging and discerning. In fact, Jesus says this, this statement in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And if you missed last week's message, I shared a prophetic dream that God had given me. And in the dream, I walked into a house where many of you were there. And with me was a baby, someone vulnerable, and a wolf. And some of you said in the dream that I had, watch out that wolf, he's dangerous. And I said, no, he's tame. And then he just went at the baby. And so I said, God sort of spoke to me through that dream that there are the potential for wolves in the house. And I went to this verse and started to study it. 
and the passage that surrounds it, Matthew chapter 7. So watch out for false prophets. So today, we're going to talk about this idea of discernment, all right? So here's our goal for the series, and we'll put this on the back wall if you can. The goal for the series is this. My goal is to be way less judgmental in life and yet way more discerning at the same time. And there's a difference between the two. Judgy is being a person who feels like they can sit in the seat of judgment and judge others, whether they're celebrated or condemned by God. Discernment is whether or not I should trust this voice. Is this healthy or unhealthy as an idea? Is this theology correct or incorrect? Is it righteous or unrighteous? Is it toxic or is it good for you? So we are all making decisions in life all the time as to what we believe and who we listen to and who we align with and how we affiliate. And so we have to have discernment even though we don't want to have judge, judginess in the room, right? So that's our, that's our goal. So now some of you are like, okay, there's a wolf in the house, you said, in the dream, Pastor Jeff. Are you going to tell us who it is? Are they here today? Can, let me look around the room. Can you see them? Like, are we going to name some names here? No, no, it's safe. They're not in the room. We're not going to talk about anybody in particular here. You say, are you going to talk about preachers who have incorrect theology and name some people today? Is this what you're going to do? You know, that would be entertaining, wouldn't it? But, but no, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm not going to name any ideologies. I'm not going to take sort of a spiritual hand grenade, pop the pin, and just throw it into the room and let it explode. So if you came into this, because in every service, I can see people sitting on the edge of their seat like, what's he going to say? Who's, who's the wolf? Who's he calling out? I mean, because that is the tendency, especially on our, our culture, to go in that direction. So you can relax. Take a deep breath. We're not going to do that. But we are going to talk about five things that we see in Jesus' teaching that helps us discern. I, I, I promised you last week, I said, you don't want to miss this week because it's going to be very practical. However, this message is about discerning between things, and so it can be a bit uncomfortable too. All right? So no hand grenades in the room, but we are going to be very direct about what Jesus' teaching is. And you know, when Jesus taught about these things in Matthew chapter 7, he did not name the trends of his current culture either. He gave us timeless principles, which we can apply to our life. And that's what I want to equip you to do. I don't want to be the one who discerns for you who you listen to and how you operate and who you partner with. I want you to be equipped so that you can discern for yourself how this works. So wave at me if you're with me so far. Everybody's good. Okay. Right. Okay. So let's, let's go into it now. Jesus said, be careful about false prophets because they show up in sheep's clothing. Now we know from this metaphor, the truth that sheep in a, in a flock are in a pasture and a shepherd is taking care of them. And the wolf can be one of the predators that stays on the outskirts lurking around that is looking for a vulnerable sheep to pick off and, and consume. Now, we know they can't actually do what Jesus says, which is to put on a costume and go in amongst the sheep. You know, actually, the image that I have in my mind when I think about that, this will date me a little bit, is Wiley Coyote. I don't know if you saw that episode where he puts on the sheep costume and he's, or, you know, he's kind of pretending everything's cool. Okay, so this is the idea. It looks good on the outside, but somehow inside or what's really there is incredibly dangerous. And so we're going to give you five questions that are like a filter for voices you listen to in your life, okay? Five questions that are a filter. And the very first question that we're going to ask is this, are they trying to protect me, this voice, or are they trying to use me? Are they trying to protect me or are they trying to use me? Right baked into the illustration Jesus gives 
is the difference between a shepherd and a wolf. What does a shepherd have as their agenda? They want to protect the sheep. Actually, they have this, the rod and the staff, the staff which draws back a sheep that's wandering away, and the rod which is used to throw at the lions and bears and predators that come to try to devour the sheep. The agenda of the wolf is not for the sheep's benefit. <laughs> right? The shepherd wants to lead them into you know, green pastures and beside quiet waters and to make sure that they're protected from pests and predators. The wolf has one agenda, to consume the sheep. And there is a different strategy. Now, this is the first sign that you're dealing with someone toxic or dangerous. Shepherds try to keep the flock together. They say there's safety in community. Be with your family. Be with your church family. Be under good covering and leadership. Wolves look for the vulnerable ones on the edges to try to pull them away and get them by themselves so that they can attack and destroy. Anytime you have someone in your life saying, come over here, we have special knowledge. We have a special thing going on. Those people over there, they're dysfunctional. Your family's not healthy. Come over here, listen to me. That is the danger of the wolf in this illustration. Pretty much all religious cults have something in common no matter what they believe. That is, they try to peel you away from your family unit and your church. And they say, come over here, because we have something special to offer you. Don't listen to anybody. And I remember a very famous woman. I was growing up, 14 years old, 1978. I remember Jim Jones, who, remember him, right? He, he peeled off 900 people from their families and their churches, got them to move to South America. And then when he was threatened that he was going to lose control of his clan, he had them all drink poison. And they had mass suicide. I remember the whole world grieving over this. Well, none of that happens without the strategy of the wolf. Come over here. Don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your pastor. You got to be with us because they don't understand you. This is the strategy that the devil uses to destroy people's lives. Let me just point it out. There is a trend in our culture to want to create distance between parents and their middle schoolers. And between parents and even elementary school students. And I want to say to you, if you're a young person in the room, anybody that's trying to separate you from your parents is dangerous. Can I say that? You say, but I don't always agree with my parents. I know, neither do I. But listen, here's the deal. In Christianity, the Bible always teaches us, honor your father and mother. That whatever decision you're going to make, you're going to make in community because that's the safest place for you to be. First question, are they trying to protect me or do they just want to use me? Okay, let's keep on reading now. Jesus' next statement says, by your fruit, you'll recognize them. By their fruit, it says. Hey, do people pick grapes from you know, bushes or figs from thistles? You can actually see because of the outcome of their life. So here, here's the first thing that you're asking. Not just what are they saying, but how are they living? Is the kind of life they're living the kind of life you want to have? Do they look a lot like Jesus? Are they producing good in the world? Okay, look at not just what's coming out of their opinion, but what's coming out of their life. How are they living is the first question. And then the word fruit in the New Testament always refers as well to character. It, it's the character qualities that get produced in us by the Holy Spirit's work in our life. You know, he gives us the characteristics of Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, things like that are birthed in our life. So do you see 
the character of Christ being birthed in their life. And, and so here's the second question we're going to ask, and, and that's this. Um, are, do they demonstrate both competence, something that I aspire to, and character, especially the character of Jesus? And if not, if there's some other character present, then you've got to say, maybe that's not such a good voice to be listening to. Now, there's a parallel passage to Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 7. And by the way, what I'm doing today is I'm going verse by verse through the teaching of Jesus. I promised you last week, I'm not going to give you my biases. I am going to give you Jesus' teaching, and I'm going to do my best to interpret them properly for you. And so we're going from verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter in his most famous message, his Sermon on the Mount. But there's a parallel passage where James writes this in chapter 3, and he basically tells us how you know if an idea, an ideology, or a theology is from God or not. So here's the filter. Who is wise and understanding among you, he says. Don't you want to be this, James is asking? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So how are they living? This is the first question we just said. What's the fruit or outcome of their life? And then it says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now notice this. Such wisdom, such ideas or ideologies... Do not come down from heaven, but they are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Chaos. So questions we're asking here. First is, how are they living? And it's not just what are they saying. It's how are they saying it? Because there's a certain spirit on the idea not just the idea itself. Okay, so, so what were the spirits? Where you find envy and ambition, there you know that spirit comes with ideas that don't come from heaven because that's not how God works. Let me just add a couple to that, that as well. Fear, where you hear fear in the tone, anger in the tone, or shame. We say these things are not from God. Why? Because God will never lead you that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up in your life and put shame on you to bring change. He might convict you, but he'll lift you up, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't lead you through anger. In fact, James says the anger of a person does not produce the righteousness God desires. God's not going to lead you through fear because God's not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So where you see envy and shame and anger, it is not coming from heaven. You say, well, what does heaven sound like? Well, James tells us, he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure and peace-loving and considerate of other people and submissive and full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, not quick to pick sides and be partisan, sincere, peacemakers who show in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You see, there should be a tone to the truth. And the tone tells you not just about what's being said, but where it's coming from. Because the Holy Spirit operates in very specific ways. And when you're not hearing that, listen, this is one of the tendencies in our culture. And that is, you're already afraid. And then you hear a voice out there that makes you more afraid. You're already angry. And you hear a voice out there that makes you more angry. Listen, the Holy Spirit isn't trying to get you more angry or more afraid or more weighed down with shame. He wants to set you free and give you peace. 
right? And to help you become part of the solution. And so now you, now you say, well, everybody out there who's speaking this way is from the devil. No, I'm not saying that. Look, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgy about anybody in particular. I'm trying to equip you with the right question about whether you should keep on listening to that or not. Right, because it's, some things are really good for your spirit and other things aren't. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, so, so, so here's that, that second question we have. Do they, do they demonstrate the competence and the character of Jesus? All right, so how we, we get so far? Everybody okay? All right, let's keep going. And, and so now let me give you a little bit of a personal illustration, especially when it comes to being a, a voice out there in the world. So um, in 20, so I'm an old guy, I get it. I've tried to learn how to do social media. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and boy, social media changes so much. I've never really done the TikTok thing. Maybe one of these days when I get my dance moves down, I'll join that. But, but okay, so, so I'm trying. I'm not the greatest social media person, but I'm really trying. But most of my posts are personal or pastoral. And in, in 2021, I put something online that got the most engagement I ever had in my life. What happened? Well, I had actually started to tune down the news and anything I was reading on Facebook for a while because 2020 was so crazy and I needed a break for my own soul. So I just shut everything off and we were turning the corner. Well, the first of many corners in the pandemic and they, you know, the vaccine was rolling out. And so I just thought, let's get this pandemic over. I'm going to get vaccinated. And so I took a picture of myself getting vaccinated and I posted it not knowing how controversial that would be. I seriously didn't know. And within five minutes, I had 47 comments. And they were paragraphs. Okay, let me just, let me just say for a moment. If you are pro-vaccine, awesome. I love you. If you're anti-vaccine, awesome. I love you. This is not my battle. I'm not speaking to that at this moment. Okay, what I am saying is I stepped in it. And I had Facebook exploding and Instagram exploding. And so the next day, I posted a peacemaking post to try to calm everybody down. And here's what I realized. If I, if I posted on a regular basis things that were more inflammatory, I could grow my followership. Seriously, I learned that. Like in a minute, I could have 10,000 followers on Instagram and I could blow Facebook up because the voices that tend to get the attention are the ones that are inflammatory. My calling is not to be that. I'm supposed to be a shepherd. I'm supposed to be a Christ follower. Now, I know you say, say oh, shouldn't we take our stand for things? It's fine. I'm not saying don't take a stand. What I'm telling you is that it's not everybody that has a large audience on Instagram, Facebook, or whatever social media, or in their church, or has a great platform to share the gospel, is actually preaching something related to Jesus. And this is the test that we're looking for now. Okay, so you say, really? Okay, listen to now what Jesus says. This is probably the most shocking part of the statements he makes in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he says, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Then he expands. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. So you could have a great show or a huge size to what you lead. You can have a lot of followers. Your voice can be amplified. 
And I've actually seen this. You probably have too. Someone who's saying something that is really hostile and then adding to the end of their statement in Jesus' name. And I think this is where Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't bring me into this. I don't have anything to do with that right there. That isn't who I am. And, and so listen, here's the third question that I want you to, to ask. And that is, do they live out of love or do they just wear the label Christian? There are a whole bunch of people in the world that got the label on their forehead. And, 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 they're, and they're saying things. And you say, that doesn't sound like Jesus. In fact, this is part of the reason why people are turning off Christianity. is because there's a lot of people who are going around in Jesus' name without the spirit of Jesus operating in what they're saying. And this is toxic to the kingdom of God and the family of God. We've got to be aware of it. So you say, okay, some will say, Lord, Lord, and I won't know who they are except for those that do the will of my father in heaven. Well, how do we know that? Okay, here's the clear commands of Jesus. Let me just give them to you. Great commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We think that's a good one. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's good, right? You'll, they'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. Here's another one. He says, love your enemies. So the central call of a Christian is love. In fact, you can really tell if someone's on track by how they talk about those who disagree with them. Can I say that again? You can tell if someone's on track with Jesus by how they treat their enemies, not just how they treat their friends. Now, we would like it to be in our culture. We'd like it this. They'll know you're Christians by your indignation, right? Or they'll know you're Christians because you are willing to take a stand on this particular issue. That's what we hear. But you can't change the standard of Jesus. He gave us a command. It was clear. Here's the prescription. Love one another. They'll know you're Christians because of that. That is what is Jesus. And so we have to say, does this really come out of love or is it coming out of some other place? Okay, let's keep going. We got two more questions to give you. Jesus then goes on to teach this. I love this, this parable. This is a really great metaphor he uses. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, uh, don't miss that now. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is obedience now, and application of the word of Jesus, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So you say, Pastor Jeff, why is this so important that you're being so passionate about what's in and what's out and what's righteous and what's unrighteous and what's talking? Okay, because this is the will of God for your life, that your life would be lived in such a way that you're planted firmly on a rock and that when life happens, here's the next thing Jesus says, verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. The will of God for your life is that you'd be stable even in the storms of life. That you'd be strong no matter what's going on around you. That you'd be protected from the predators. That you'd be able to have great relationships and raise a beautiful family. And the blessing of God be upon you. And that he'd keep you in his care. This is his will for your life. But you can't have that if you don't plant your feet solidly on the rock of Jesus and his authority. The authority of his word. Because then he gives us the alternative. Everyone who hears these words of mine but does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Same storm happens. Rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And the reaction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was to say, when Jesus had finished teaching these things, the crowds were amazed because he taught 
as one who had great authority. Everybody say authority. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the next question. Is Jesus and his word their ultimate authority or are they serving the God of self? You see, there's a real battle right now over who the God is in your life. The culture says there's only one valid God and that's what you feel. If you feel it and it is true to you, it's your truth and your experience, then that's true for you and that is every bit as stable as someone who believes in Jesus. And, and it's okay if you believe in Jesus as long as it's true to you. If Jesus serves you and the Bible serves you and it, and it submits to your authenticity, then it's okay because you are the ultimate discerner of what is right for your life. And so our culture has put self on a throne. Now here's the problem. If your God is yourself, your feelings, your truth, your experiences, when the storms of life come in your world, all you have to grab is yourself. And when the storms hit, yourself is not enough. And we see a whole world that is floating in the sea of despair because all they have is them. You see, I don't serve me, I serve Jesus. He is the one who's risen from the dead. He's the God of all creation. He's the God that can hold me firm no matter what's going on in my life. And when I don't know what to do, I grab for him and he carries me through and he puts my feet on the rock and he steers me. That doesn't mean my life is perfect, but it means that when I'm not sure what to believe or why I feel what I feel, I grab hold of his word and I say, God, you promised this in my life and I'm holding on to it. And I have through experience gained an appreciation for the fact that Jesus will do what he said and he'll keep me strong and stable through the storms of my life. But you can't just reach for Jesus when it's convenient. If he's not Lord of your life all the time, you'll be a bit all over the place if sometimes he's the one you grab for authority and sometimes you're grabbing your own self. So you can judge something that's happening in the world around you by asking the question, is this upholding Jesus and his word or is it bringing me into this place of instability by serving me? Okay, we're gonna give you one last question to ask. So we've given you four so far. We're almost done here. We're gonna be okay, right? One more to go. And here's, here's the last one. Before Jesus gives the little verse in verse 15 on false prophets and sheep and wolves, he actually says this in verses 13 and 14. And I'm gonna actually have you read this out loud with me so it sticks in your heart and mind. You've probably also heard this statement before. Here's what it says, read it with me. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only if you find it. Here's the final question that we ask, and that's this. Are they teaching, are they teaching that Jesus is the only way to life, or have they attempted to broaden the path? Now, some of you read that, and you heard Jesus say, the way to God is narrow, not broad. And there's something inside our culture that sort of objects this. Narrow, what are we saying, God's narrow-minded? No, 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 God's not narrow-minded. In fact, the gospel, is the most inclusive message in the history of the world. 
Why is it inclusive? Because God loved you, every one of us. He loved us so much that he was willing to send his one and only son into this world on a mission to rescue us from our brokenness and our past and our sin. And Jesus died on the cross and they put him in the ground, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's inclusive. It doesn't matter your race or your gender or your past or your generation or your nationality or your language. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are loved by God and when you reach out to him in faith he brings you into his family no questions asked he adopts you and we become brothers and sisters and stand equal at the foot of the cross because the gospel is an inclusive message can I get an amen from somebody however it is also the most exclusive message because Jesus says there's one way everyone's invited but I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. And no one can come to God the Father except through me. Everyone's welcome, it includes the whole world. But there's a path that is very specific. So we would say, not all theologies are equal. And what's at stake here is people's souls. And if we allow the path to be broadened, what we're doing is contributing to people losing out with God, not just for this life, but for all eternity. And so part of me as a shepherd is like the good shepherd does. I wanna rise up and say, for the sake of the vulnerable and the lost and the broken and the hurting, we've gotta make sure that we're logged into truth and holding on to Jesus' teaching to guide us through the storms of life. Can we just bow for prayer right now?